as a negative non-starter for them. But not in Russia, Chris. Oh, yeah, not there. Exactly. That's the differential point on this topic point, is that she's stuck in fucking Russia. And on a, and another point on our prison industry, um, we don't always give women, uh, female prisoners, uh, feminine hygiene products here. We sell them to them half the time, which is ridiculous. And they limit the number that they can even get. So that's how we treat our prisoners here. So true, Dr. Felicia. And people often forget that, too. Like, commissary is no fucking joke. And um, the, the prices are fucking crazy, too. So something that needs to be examined. I remember when uh, when I was in jail, all the girls were uh, using, you know, those little um, uh, travel uh, uh, toothbrush holders. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they were using those for. All right. Um, I want to talk about the, the cannabis component of this a little bit, right? I mean, you know, has anybody heard anything more about why she may be facing, you know, 10 years from it, it appears that's a disproportionate sentence for the the charges that have been laid against her. Is there any update on that, Rico, in the articles you've read? Um, in the one from today, uh, the woman, uh, Ishkar, uh, Ishkar, she said that um, her sentence was supposed to be seven and a half years, but they ended up giving her 10 months. And um, after uh, Benjamin Netanyahu ended up negotiating with Putin for her uh, release and she did 10 months total and ended up being able to go home um, but she, her original sentence was for seven and a half years um, in the same in, in nearly identical case uh, with everything except for you know the, the the factors that we listed before yeah Laura I would I would guess it is for just for you know gamesmanship on Russia's part that they've given her the 10 years yeah uh, so they can right. do these exact type of things. I'm wondering, and I don't know if this has been discussed much before, has Griner come out and said before, yes, she was a regular cannabis user, that she traveled around with this stuff before? Has any of that ever been said? I don't, I, yeah, I did, I did not see, I, I didn't see anybody saying that. I, I could only imagine, even if she is a regular cannabis consumer, I can't imagine anybody snitching on her at this point with such a high profile and a high stake situation um but you know this is america man like in in pro athletes we relax with cannabis um i say we like i was a pro athlete i was not a pro athlete sorry <laughs> but like, like pro athletes they relax with cannabis they they, they consume in their downtime whether it's uh, medicinal usage uh um, for recovery or if it's just relaxing and they don't want to drink as much and find themselves in fucked up situations in the blotter um so like i wouldn't be surprised if she was a regular consumer but um I, I I don't think anybody would, and I hope nobody snitches and just like yeah, tries to put out in public. Oh yeah, Brittany Griner is a fucking pothead or anything like that. I'm just wondering since she has played overseas for years, um, and maybe for years has traveled around with product in her bag, right? And has never been stopped until now. We're in the middle of a war. I mean, and, it you could know, be example ever. Right. Uh, it, 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 it could be. Um, there's no information around that that I've seen. Um, maybe somebody else can uh, uh, chime in on that. I, I have not seen or heard anything about her um, regularly using or regularly transporting anything. So, Rico, are you trying to say that she might have been muling these for somebody? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> 
I don't think uh, I, I just don't want to speak out on it because the, the, the information is not out there yet. But um, if she had, was it like two? Is, is that what it was? Like she was caught like with with, with two CBD. <laughs> uh, Delta uh, eight. <laughs> it sounds very, 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 very much like Delta eight. I don't know. We don't have like all the all the details, but it sounds like well, fucking Delta eight. If she only had two, I don't. I don't think she was like transporting them for somebody else, but maybe it was like for some one other person. I don't. I don't know. We don't I have enough information. That it was hashish oil. That's what they call it. That, that, that's what that's what the oil in vape pens would be considered by Russians. Okay. Well, isn't hashish legal over in Europe? But not in Russia. Russia's Asia. Well, get it? But I'm asking. No, Russia. Russia is actually considered Europe because the capital of Russia is in Europe, Moscow. And so it's considered Europe, even though a majority of Russia is in Asia, and you would actually refer to them as Eurasians. Eurasians. Yeah. Well, well, anyway, this just goes back to my questioning of if she had traveled with it before as a, as a player over there. Obviously, she traveled to different countries, and if hashish oil is legal in Europe, and she was coming from somewhere else, and like Gia said, just forgot she had it or didn't realize it was there, that's what I would Gretchen, where do, you, where do you get that hashish hash oil is, is legal in Europe? Plenty of places. What are you talking is, about? No, no, no. It is not. No, it's not. We just use a lot. Plants are popular. And I don't know what like international travel like associations or anything like that. I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what their rules are. What they are turning the blind eye to uh, either. So um, I would just say, you know, if you're not riding on a private jet like Jason Beck and, and hopping over uh, oceans and everything. You might want to just like uh, rely on the locals to, to to point you in the right direction, and hope hopefully it's not booth. You could always Easter Rico. You can. <laughs> Let's keep smoking the news. All right. Up next, he is my photo negative, the ivory to my black piano, ebony piano keys, and the longest continuously operating retailer in the industry with an affinity for the best weed in the world. Identification and ratification of Boof worldwide in the cannabis industry's very own Kaiser Brose. In Detroit, it's White Gucci. In London, the Boof free bloke. Up next, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Happy Thursday, everybody. That's right. We are almost at Friday, but not quite. And I think everyone is going to find the story so fascinating because I know I did when I read this. Because guess what, New York? That's right. It's about to get so much trappier than you even thought it could get. Because the city orders NYPD to top, stop testing officers for marijuana. The city on Wednesday initially ordered the country's largest police department to stop testing cops for marijuana use, officials said. But the NYPD later backpedaled that idea after initially releasing a statement saying, they would halt the test. NYPD said it was mewling over the idea. The New York Post obtained a memo from the NYPD's Deputy Commissioner of Legal Matters dated July 11th that states, starting immediately, the department should only drug test a member of service for marijuana if there is reasonable suspicion, right? Reasonable suspicion that the member is impaired by marijuana on the job. The NYPD later issued a letter to all commands that said cops are not permitted to use cannabis on or off duty. Previously, a police officer would automatically be fired if they tested positive for marijuana, a process referred to as being doled out, police speak. Um, not all members of the department take a possible change 
a high grade. One says, I don't agree with it at all, but I'm an old time cop. One police officer with decades on, on the job said, and I think it sets a bad example. What's next? Shooting heroin. Manhattan cop with more than two decades on the job agreed and added that he believed that NYPD was making the move to lower standards so more candidates could be hired to make up for a jump in recent recruitments. This is unreal. A police officer with more than two decades on the job said, initially questioning if the end to pot testing was fake news. This is all for people who can't get into the academy because they test positive for marijuana, the cop said. I guess you're going to rehire all the people who doled out. This department is going downhill. What happens if the person shoots and kills somebody and they find out they were high marijuana? Well, I'll tell you what. Trappers beware because of the trap. If the cops ain't getting tested for weed, they're way more likely to check your food truck or your fucking weed stand on the corner of 51st and whatever. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the Sydney Cannabis News Hour. Man, it's the cops that want to fucking enforce the rules and they don't want to abide by the rules. Like, which one is it? Which one is it, Jason? Whichever one happens to be at the moment, apparently. Respect the shooter. Respect the one with the gun, right? Respect the gold. Whoever carries the gold makes the rules. Well, I, I think it's an interesting development, right? Because they do have to be concerned with recruitment. You know, if you're testing people for a substance that's now being generally used um, in the greater community, you're you're going to you know you're going to tighten the pool of candidates that you have available for a particular job. I mean, it's the same reason why the FBI and CIA started opening up right their drug policy. Um, you know, it, I, I don't. I think it's a good thing that the police department can progress potentially. And include people who are occasional users. We just need to figure out, right, those impairment standards. I couldn't agree with you more on that, Laura. I say let everybody smoke weed. Period. It's crazy that the the, uh, the fire department gets to they get to smoke, <laughs> but the but the cops can't. What do you mean they're in charge of putting fires out, Rico? How do you light your weed with a fire? So you think they're just gonna go go in there? You see a burning building? They just go in there with um. With their blunts unlit, and they, they come out after they save the day, and they're all just relaxed. Is that what, is that what we're going to be expecting out of the New York Fire Department? Well, I'm, just waiting for the, I'm just waiting for the prohibitionist article that says fireman fucking lit one flame <laughs> on house and died from smoke inhalation. How about those FD? Yeah, how about those FDNY uh, calendars? With all the dudes with no shirts on and everything, I can't wait to see some stoners in there too. <laughs> see motherfuckers with the bunk bed and the psychedelic poster behind that shit. Yep, find them hot and leave them wet. <laughs> hey man, hey man, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's Thursday morning. Got anything else on that? FDNY gets to smoke. Uh, um, the uh, New York uh, NYPD does not. Well, you know, I, I, I think this is this is phenomenal news for the department. I mean, I know if, if I have to be a cop, I would want to be able to smoke weed. And so I'm, I'm glad maybe it'll calm down the cops. It'll calm down some of the violence that happens in our urban communities uh, with law enforcement and whatnot. Um, because maybe... I know cannabis also does cure road rage. 
Yes, it does. Article, you know, it touched on a realistic point. If you're recruiting people and, you, you know, folks under 30, man, how, you know, it's just a reality that, you know, this generation, you know, they have a whole different uh, relationship with weed. And, yeah, it's going to be damn hard to find people that age that aren't, that, you know, have never touched weed or don't want, aren't, aren't interested. So if there's a, there is a reality play there. So hopefully that will change the, the whole forces perspective on cannabis. Hopefully. I see we just got Jeff Schultz in the in the uh, in the room. He's an attorney out of New York. Jeff, do you have anything that you'd like to say? Just raise your hand real quick if you do. If not, we're gonna move on to the next story. Let's keep smoking right. the news. All right, here we go. This badass cannabis is the co-founder of the International Cannabis Bar Association, current chair of the Bar Association of San Francisco Cannabis Law Section. And founder of San Francisco Equity Applicant, Applicant Pro Bono Legal Project, and the organic source for the silkiest, smoothest corporate cords in the Western Hemisphere, as well as on Twitter Spaces. Coming up next is none other than Lara DeCaro. Oh, thanks for that, guys. Thanks so much for having me up again. Um, my article today is about the House voting on certain cannabis and psychedelic measures. Despite Matt Gates's tweeting that he can't get his ideas heard by the full House, the Rules Committee, which had 1,200 amendments to the NDAA to consider this week, cleared several, including his, major proposed drug policy reforms for votes on the House floor this week. And I'm, I'm watching Congress.gov, it looks like they're going to be heard today. The article is entitled, House Will Vote on These Marijuana and Psychedelics Measures as part of the defense bill this week. It's by Kelly Yeager for now on moment. Uh, the article sort of lays out um, sort of the history of different writers that have been added to the National Defense Authorization Act amendments um, that have been added to that act um, throughout its history. It talks about, um, you know, specifically measures by um, AOC and Matt Gates um, that were filed separately but substantively identical um, to expand other measures to require the DOD research into cannabis as an opioid alternative by also including psilocybin and MDMA, which I thought was pretty interesting. Apparently, the Democratic-led measure was made in order to proceed to the floor, while its GOP counterpart was not, according to Kyrie Broadway, doesn't expand on exactly how that was. So here are the amendments being heard right now. Uh, Representative Nancy Mace allowed the Department of Veterans Affairs doctors to provide medical cannabis recommendations to patients and also prohibit federal employers from discriminating against veterans who use or have used cannabis. Representative AOC required the DOD to research psilocybin and MDMAs, which is noted, as well as cannabis, as opioid alternatives for military members with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, or severe pain. Representative Dan Crenshaw allowed the Secretary of Defense to approve grants for research into the therapeutic potential of certain psychedelics, such as MDMA, psilocybin, ibogaine, and 5-MEL-DMT. Um, which is really interesting. I think that was a, a good, good advancement for active duty military members, active duty with post-traumatic stress disorder. Representative Catherine Clark expressed the sense of uh, Congress that VA should not deny home loans to veterans because they derive income from a state legal cannabis business. The proposal was initially introduced as an outright prohibition of such denials, but was changed to a non-binding form, unfortunately. 
Representative Rashisha Tlaib, um, require DOD to study the historically discriminatory manner in which laws related to cannabis offenses have been enforced. The potential for continued discriminatory application of the law, whether intentional or unintentional, and recommendations for actions that can be taken to minimize the risk of such discrimination. Representative Harold Luminar codified the VA doctors can assist veterans in providing recommendations, opinions, and completion of the forms to become state legal cannabis patients. Representative AOC again prevent the use of funds for aerial fumigation on drug crops in Colombia, a practice widely criticized by former human rights advocates, the author that we've talked about in, in other jurisdictions. Representative um, Kishirel eliminate the federal sentencing disparity between crack and powder cocaine. Representative Matt Gates require the DOD to research psilocybin and MDMA as well as cannabis as opioid alternatives. And Representative Luke Correa make it so DOD would have to work with the VA on any studies into cannabis with an opioid um, as an opioid alternative. Sorry. And last but not least, da da da, da Representative Ed Palmwater safe banking guard <laughs> banking guard guidelines. Uh, sorry. Um, to safeguard banks that work with state legal cannabis businesses from being penalized by federal regulators. Uh, he does go on to quote Paul Meyer because, you know, this has been such a, um, a long road for Paul Meyer with regard to trying to implement these measures. And he says, quote, I'm trying to figure out every path possible to get this thing done so that fewer people are killed, Paul Meyer said on Tuesday in committee referring to deadly robberies and cash-intensive dispensaries. And this does involve international cartels, so that really is the nexus to the NDAA, the criminal international component to this, just in case you were wondering. Meanwhile, a bipartisan bill to provide military veterans with access to medical cannabis was also reintroduced in Congress last month by Blumenauer, Brian Massa of Florida, and Dave Joyce out of Ohio. So that's just your, your federal law summary. Um, look forward to any comments from uh, the audience and my fellow correspondents. My name is Laura DeCaro, reporting for the State of Cannabis News Network. Laura, I just have to say, I'm, I'm so happy to hear my good friend's name come out of your mouth so many times. <laughs> positive stance. <laughs> it is positive. He's a Mad He's a whining about not being able to get hurt by the full house. Meanwhile, he is getting hurt by the full house put forward a measure that was specifically designed not to be able to proceed so i don't understand you know why he's your buddy but maybe you guys uh date the same girls hey hey that's a three-pointer <laughs> hey man Hey, and I, 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 just, I just like to say, follow the money on Ed Perlmutter. Guess who his biggest campaign donors are? Number one, the insurance industry. Number two, commercial banks. Number three, commercial real estate lenders. Number four, lawyers. And then number five, securities and investment firms. Those are his top five donor sources. So follow the money and you know exactly why Perlmutter is going so hard on, on safe banking. many uh you know members of congress i don't think ed perlmutter is you know the only guy who's uh, getting money off the banks from the insurance industry out there um 
but I do hope that these bills go through. If you pay attention to what they're actually asking for, more than half of them are about research. Um, and that is, you know, the tone of Congress, what they're willing to do to dip their toes in. Um, there, as you see, no one is pushing for a major legalization effort here. Right. And this crowd needs to see that the sky is not falling before they will move forward. So we need to see that some of these things go through, prove that to these folks who, who need to see the tan, tangible evidence in front of them, that yes, veterans can benefit from this. So before they are putting it out there for the general public, they're not going to push forward on major bills. This is what they're willing to do. Um, and so we need to back these things up. We need to say, yes, these things can work. And we need to support them and not, you know, jump up down like, say absolutely not not unless we have a full measure because full measures aren't going to happen to gretchen's point i think I, I i agree i think it's really important that there's people on both sides of the aisle talking about research whether it's psychedelics or cannabis this is unthinkable even five years ago that these types of issues would be discussed in congress so i see that as progress and i think veterans could really be sort of the kind of like shine the light on all this. So once things are, are passed for those men and women uh, and, and there's some access for them, I think everything else will follow. So I think it's super important that a lot of this is related to veterans. So I think there's some encouraging stuff there. Agreed. Yeah, I do. Uh, with this, this is one that's always been very close to my heart. And it's what started my whole activism movement in regards to pushing the cannabis legalization in North Carolina and other states, because I grew up with my father being misdiagnosed by the VA for a number of years. I mean, he was his one claim to fame medically, sadly, is he was the last patient at the uh, uh, Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia VA to be given electroshock treatment. And one of the earliest memories I have of that is going to see my dad after like not knowing where he was for two weeks, just having people tell me, oh, you know, dad's got to take a vacation with the VA. And I remember the orderlies that brought my dad out. And I remember reaching up and grabbing his hand and squeezing it and saying, I love you, dad. And then having my dad look down at me, look at the orderly and then just go, whose kid is this? Like it took him three days to remember even who my mom was. And, you know, it did nothing for his PTSD. They pumped him full of Thorazine. They pumped him full of Percodan, Percocet, every type of pain medication, you know, you can imagine every type of antipsychotic you can imagine without really thinking about the long-term effects. So finally looking into something that would be a lot less hazardous to our veterans is going to be a huge step forward. And I've always been in support of all that. I just hope that eventually, not just for the veterans, but that will also lead to, you know, uh, the family members and, you know, children of veterans that have had to suffer a very similar form of PTSD being the main caregivers for those that didn't have access to these drugs that can help them. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Chris. Sorry you had to go through that, brother. I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm okay with everything that I went through and I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm just fortunate enough that, you know, I kind of found my voice early and I found a way to take all of the tragic things that have happened to me and turn them into stories that can hopefully be a little bit of inspiration to people to not give up the fight, whether on the local or federal level for this. 100%, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate the good energy, man. We need more of that. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Jason, you know what time it is? <laughs> you are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose.
The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Canada's News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker. The State of Canada's or its members. The statements made in the State of Canada's News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice. In the State of Canada's and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorships of the State of Canada's News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Canada's or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Canada's or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised. Let's keep smoking the news. Up next, he's a fifth generation Californio that just happens to also be an award-winning journalist, brand building content ninja, and freedom fighting farmer's friend. Never backing down from opportunities to clap back at provocative, short-sighted, conservative comments with the hard-hitting truths that they don't want to hear. You know who it is up next. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Eric Hislereda. What you got for us today, my man? Thanks mucho, Rico. Um, great to be here, everybody. And uh, my headline is from High Times, and it's Frenchy Cannoli's Legacy Still Aligns with the Farmers. A documentary on the departed hashmaker's life aims to highlight the challenges faced by the small outdoor farms he championed. So this covers one of my favorite topics, period, uh, the small farmers of Northern California. So one of the most precious things that the pandemic took away from each and every one of us was our ability to gather together. The absence of community these past few years is something that feels more acute in the world of weed. After all, we're the originators of Puff Puff Pass. To truly love the cannabis plant often includes a strong and unselfish desire to share that love with others. Departed hash master Frenchy Cannoli knew this better than most. Not only was he aligning with other artisans at the top of their craft to present hash as the ultimate expression of what cannabis can be, but he was also a master of bringing people together to collectively enjoy the fruit of the farmer's labor. At the recent San Francisco, California premiere of a film based on his life, a friend reminded me of the many times Frenchie gathered all of us together around the hookah. He'd stand in the center and apply the hash to the foil above a hot coal while everyone lucky enough to secure a hose puffed together in a circle. Hash in the form of resin hand rubbed from the plant or chars is the oldest cannabis concentrate and Frenchie believed humanity may have discovered its benefits even before the nutritional qualities of cannabis seeds or the many uses of the plant's fiber. Quoting, the hash is the final expression of the genetics, he explains early on in the film. It's all about the trichome. Frenchie always credited the quality of the hash he made to the farmers who grew the cannabis. In the film, Frenchie dreams of hashish, Documentary filmmaker Jake Remington introduces viewers to meet many of those farmers within their element. Most of the farms Frenchie worked with professionally grow outdoors under the sun in Mendocino County, one-third of Northern California's famed Emerald Triangle, also made up of Trinity and Humboldt counties. All my life, it was never about who made the hashish or charms, but where it was made, Frenchie wrote in Weed World magazine. It is the plant always and only. It is about how far you are willing to go for the day. Before finding himself embedded within the cannabis community in Northern California, Frenchie traveled throughout the hash-making regions of the globe. The film brings viewers into his world within the Emerald Triangle. As a producer of an artisanal craft product, Frenchie was fo very focused on imparting the importance a sense of place has on a product. He compared his craft to that of a winemaker and honed in and on terroir, the way a particular region's natural elements, such as the climate and soil, affects the taste of agricultural products. In the same way Champagne is recognized as one of the best places to produce sparkling wine, he worked tirelessly to ensure people understood that one of the best places to produce cannabis is on the small farms in the Emerald Triangle. The film serves, serves as a way to bring more people than ever before onto those farms. For Remington, the documentary is an effort to highlight the ethos 
of sustainable farming and dedication to quality sun-grown cannabis shared by Frenchie and his farmers. But it's also a way to show how the California cannabis industry's transition from a medical use to adult use uh, marketplace have unfavorably impacted the survival of the small farms Frenchie championed. During filming, California's cannabis industry experienced waves of change that negatively affected and threatened the livelihood of the small farmers Frenchie worked with, Remington says in a press release. This maelstrom of bureaucracy and hypocrisy forms the context of the film in which Frenchie and the farmers fight for quality and survival intensified. Even though he is no longer with us in person, Frenchie's spirit and message to preserve the cannabis heritage of the Emerald Triangle remain through things like the film and efforts of the ones he loved, most notably his wife Kimberly Hooks, also known as Madame Cannoli, and his apprentice Belle. Watch Frenchie's social media channels for information about additional film screenings. And I just want to add, I will always have what Frenchie is smoking in Nirvana somewhere. Uh, sustainable sun-grown weed raised in living soil under the largest nuclear fusion machine in our galaxy and all the other natural elements. Lighters up to you, Frenchie. Your, your legacy lives on. And that's what I've got today. I'm Eric for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Gracias for having me up. Big shout out to Frenchie Cannoli and his entire legacy, man. Like, the dude was the truth. He was always a, a very, very, very just genuine motherfucker and his knowledge was was unsurpassed by anybody in the hash side of the world one of those rare individuals man that like everybody loved this guy and his knowledge was so extensive about history culture the plant science it was it, it, it was astounding to just hear this guy speak 100 we, we lost a real um real icon uh, within the space when we lost Frenchie Cannoli, Eric. And I just have one quick question because you mentioned throwing your lighters up. And I thought when you smoke all that sun-grown natural cosmic cannabis that you should only use a magnifying glass so then that way you have a solar hit and so that way you have no music. Oh, that's a good idea, man. I, I prefer the beeline, you know, the, the hemp wicks coated with wax. So that, that's my way to take. So I don't actually have the lighter touch the, the weed ever. I'm a beeline fan. But yeah, there's that's a workaround, dude. I will consider that next time. I'm up in the cosmic oh, rays. Solar gets for the business, bro. I'm gonna check it out. And you should check out this film. It's gonna I think it'll be streaming soon as well. Yeah, didn't they just didn't they just they just released they, they did the premiere just last weekend, right? This yeah, yeah, it just draw it just dropped and um, you know, they were raising money for a while. It's been in process for a couple I think, you know, even obviously when he was still alive he passed away just about a year ago exactly and mm -hmm. they've been working on it for a couple of years so um it's great to see it come out and, and affirm his legacy and you know if somebody doesn't know who he is or never got to hear him speak there's a ton of stuff on youtube and just him talking you know his, the history is I, i'm kind of a history geek and he just goes off on on such deep cultural and you know through his travels in afghanistan and things like that he could he just again like rico is saying just a wealth of knowledge i'm sorry eric Ward. Did you say where it's streaming? Uh, it's not streaming yet, right? It just it just dropped in a theater in San Francisco, but I think the plan is that it will be streaming at some point, but I think they want to do theatrical first, and they'll probably move that. I'm sure it'll come to the East Coast as well. Yeah, big shout-out. this is going on Broadway, Eric? What's that? Broadway? I think they should do it Broadway. It's going on Broadway? It's just theatrical. No. Theatrical. No, I mean, that just means theatrical in theaters. That's Hollywood speak. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, you know I'm Hollywood. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Big shout out to Kimberly for holding shit down over there, and in, um, in Frenchie's absence, uh, 
She's absolutely awesome too. I had the pleasure of working with her early on in the pandemic. We did a couple of, uh, we did a webinar series with Frenchie and um, just the knowledge that he dropped on me, just uh, on the origins of like the whole history behind cannabis. Like we did a, um, uh, we did a entire webinar, like an hour, hour and a half long webinar. And we didn't even talk about like really much about the hash side of things. Just talking about like the, the origins of bang uh, or bang, however you want to uh, pronounce it, like China and like all that stuff. And like you, Eric, I'm a huge history buff myself. And I just like love just, just, just saturating myself in that historical knowledge and just like learning about the, the origins of shit and how we got here uh, from there. So if you guys are not yeah, tuned in, what's that? That's uh, the smoke what? You smoked the Dhamma. I didn't smoke the Dhamma. I didn't. But um, um, the first time I ever passed out in public was with Frenchie Cannoli, uh, uh, Emerald. Uh, was the Emerald Exchange <laughs> back, yeah, back in 2017? He gave me a hit of that fucking that hash. I was like, I woke up like I don't know how many minutes later, how many seconds later, but um, uh, he was he was laughing, and um, it, was, it was that was my first hash experience in, in, in 95 degree weather. And, um, and, and Frenchie was a fucking truth, man. I hopped back on it, got hydrated. And that's when I learned the importance of staying hydrated at outdoor cannabis events. Thanks for picking this, Eric. Frenchie was a really important part of our community. And I think, you know, will remain so as long as we keep his stories alive. Yes, indeed. Let's keep smoking the news, Jason. What we got next? Oh, yeah. By day and a baker by night, a true female multitasker who can not only bake up a storm but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Monopoly Strategies and her very own Washington Insider. Taking off the apron, it's none other than Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from Marijuana Moment. Um, and it's basically, it's just taking a little deeper look at some amendments um, that Laura uh, talked about. Uh, just a few minutes ago in her story. Uh, the headline is Bipartisan Lawmakers Filed Marijuana Protection Amendments for Veterans and People in Public Housing. Uh, congressional lawmakers filed new marijuana amendments to a package of legislation to fund parts of the federal government for next year, including a bipartisan proposal to block the VA from preventing military veterans from using medical cannabis while allowing its doctors to fill out recommendations for patients who want to participate in state programs. Other amendments would prohibit uh, HUD from enforcing a ban on state legal marijuana activity for people who live in federally assisted housing. Another proposal would transfer funds from the EPA to the national forest system to support enforcement and remediation of illegal marijuana trespass growth sites on federal land. House Appropriations Committee leaders have included a plethora of cannabis and psychedelic provisions in the spending bills and attached reports for various federal agencies a session. And now these additional proposals are being offered ahead of the House Rules Committee meeting where lawmakers will determine what amendments will be made in floor for floor consideration. Uh, a key amendment that's being sponsored by all four Congressional Cannabis Caucus co-chairs and nine other bipartisan lawmakers concerns the bills that fund the VA. It combines two pieces of standalone legislation, the Safe Harbor Act from Representatives Dave Joyce and Barbara Lee, and the Veterans Equal Access Act from uh, Representative Earl Blumenauer and Lee. It would prohibit the use of VA funds to prevent veterans from using medical cannabis in compliance with state or tribal law and allow VA doctors to issue recommendations for medical marijuana. It also specifically includes related language barring the department from using its appropriated dollars to penalize VA workers 
to provide such recommendations to patients. Uh, according to Joyce, there is a growing body of evidence about the beneficial uses of medical cannabis as treatment for PTSD and chronic pain, two terrible conditions that plague many of our veterans. If a state has made it legal, like Ohio has, the federal government should not be preventing a veteran from accessing it, especially if a VA doctor believes that the treatment is right for the patient. I'm proud to have my fellow co-chairs join me in leading this effort, which proves there is strong bipartisan support behind allowing increased medical cannabis access for veterans and encourage the Rules Committee to rule our amendment in order. The language from Blumenauer's Veterans Equal Access Act was also separately filed and made in order in the Rules Committee on Tuesday for floor consideration as part of the NDAA. The House is set to begin debate on what and other drug policy-related amendments to the defense bill today. Meanwhile, another pair of newly posted appropriations amendments from representatives uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Blumenauer, and Lee focused on HUD marijuana policies. One would provide housing protections for medical cannabis patients, while the other more broadly covers any type of state legal marijuana use in federally assisted housing. Uh, according to Norton, she said the Department of Housing and Urban Development should not be allowed to remove people from their homes or otherwise punish them if they follow the marijuana laws of their jurisdictions. More and more states are moving towards legalization of marijuana, especially medical marijuana. It is time for HUD to allow marijuana in federally assisted housing in jurisdictions where it's legal, particularly where medical marijuana is legal. Nobody should be evicted for following the law and the advice of their doctors. HUD said last year in a letter to the Congresswoman that it is required to continue denying federally assisted housing to people who use marijuana, even if they're acting in compliance with state law. Uh, Holmes Norton sent a letter to HUD Secretary Marsh Fudge last year imploring the department to use executive discretion and not punish people over cannabis in legal states. But HUD's response was clear. It said that consistent with federal law, HUD prohibits the admission of users of marijuana to HUD-assisted housing, including those who use medical marijuana. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Representative Doug Lamalfa uh, has a separate amendment that addresses environmental remediation of illicit cannabis grows on federal lands. This has been a consistent theme for the congressman who got some publicity last year after teaming up with local California police to bulldoze illegal marijuana growth sites. LaMalfa has repeatedly addressed the issue in House floor speeches over recent years, urging the federal government to provide additional resources to help states get rid of illicit marijuana groves. And he's also filed legislation to give resources to law enforcement to eradicate illegal marijuana groves on public lands, increase fines and penalties for such cultivation, and establish funds to restore land damaged by that activity. Um, out of these three bills, we've touched a lot on the veteran side, so I kind of wanted to focus a bit more on HUD. Um, I, it would be great to see um, if you know they would start to allow people in legal jurisdictions not to be evicted from their homes. Um, but that is going, frankly, I think it's going to have to take a real policy change um, from this administration, uh, which would be legalization. And I don't know if that's going to get anywhere. Uh, we shall see. This is Gretchen for State of Cannabis News Hour. Hey, Gretchen, well, well I, I think this is a, a, a good initiative to allow people to uh, smoke in public housings and, and, and consume in public housings and everything. Does the HUD even have the power to do anything after uh, Donald Trump and uh, Ben Carson gutted the shit? Serious question. Hey, are you asking, does HUD have the funding and the money to go in and evict people? Do they have the funding or the power to do anything? Like after um, uh, Ben Carson and, and, and Donald Trump like like literally tried to, to gut the shit out of the, the entire... Um, I, I, I am true. I'm not an expert at all on HUD funding, 
but I'm sure if HUD wanted to evict people, and clearly they are already denying people who are right. use it, um, I'm sure they could. All it takes is a call to the local cops saying, you know, go raid this place. True. Snitches, right? Your people. Snitches, first snitches. <laughs> I, I, I love Holmes Norm for pushing this forward. I'm just, I don't think it's going to get very far, especially being attached to the NDAA. I, I, I don't think it's going to get very far at all. Interesting. You can make arguments for the veterans issues. I don't know about LaMalfa's bill. Frankly, I think he's kind of a jackass, but I'm sure uh, Jason loves him. Um, no, no, no! I'm not a Lamalfa fan. You are not putting me in that box. Possible <laughs> to move on this issue. He is a straight prohibitionist, and he is always going to be trying to harm us as an industry. Gretchen, when will this legislation get voted on? Next week. We will know next week. Interesting. We shall be uh, watching. I know, and I take that back. We should find out this week if these amendments um, get attached and move forward. So we should probably know today or tomorrow if this HUD issue uh, is staying a part of it. But the actual NDAA is put on next week. Got it. Well, let's keep smoking the news. We have two more stories uh, to come. So up next, He's Wisconsin-rooted, Fresno-based raptivist repping the strong black conservative voice mainstream media and Joe Biden do not want you to know exists. But the haters and race baiters will not block out the black side of liberty, perpetually exposing the industry and all of the things behind it. He is the man who may or may not be responsible for last year's recall election. Coming to the stage next is the cannabis industry's favorite thorn in Gavin Newsom's side, my man, Nicholas Wildstar. What you got for us today? Every day, Rico. Thank you. Bonjour, State of Cannabis. It's Bastille Day, which is France's 4th of July. So have some quiche and croissants for breakfast. Pop any leftover fireworks you've got and drink some blood of tyrants wine. Check it out. Unfortunately, we the people are still battling against tyranny and the crooks running Sacramento are the perfect example. On Tuesday night, city officials voted against a move that could have opened the door for more cannabis dispensaries in unincorporated areas with about 600,000 residents. If passed the initiative to tax cannabis and hemp business activities would have been left up to voters on a November ballot for the 2022 election. Four votes in favor were required, but only three members of the Sacramento County Board of Supervisors voted yes, which were supervisors Phil Cerna, Patrick Kennedy, and Rich Desmond, who in response to the bill said, at the end of the day, I'm really a free market person who wants to support small businesses, and I frankly look forward to finding a responsible way that we can lure businesses away from the city of Sacramento and make the county a much more competitive place to do business. Currently, the only cities in the county area that allow dispensaries are Sacramento and Alton, and that's been the case since 2016 when recreational use was legalized. If it does end up getting approved, officials estimate that they'll be able to pillage $9 million in cannabis taxes 
from hardworking people in their small businesses. Cannabis advocates said opening dispensaries outside of city limits would have increased convenience for consumers, as well as promote the use of safer products. Of course, we the people know that, but when it comes to the government, the less options we have, the better. Which is why I say vote libertarian for more freedom and less government. This is Nick Wildstar, a.k.a. The Governor, reporting with the State of Cannabis News Hour. Parliament non Peace. Kevin, you are what the French call léger compétent. I love croissants, by the way. Fucking love, love, love croissants. Say the butter croissants, like the almond croissants, you know, the chocolate ones. Which ones are we talking about, Jason? Um, really, just the, the buttered ones. I'm totally good with. You know, sometimes they do other different stuff. I had like a uh, strawberry shortcake one one time. That was pretty good. I can do it. Like, what do you guys think about this story, though? Uh, with Sacktown and Sacktown's move here. How, how many stores does uh, Sacramento County currently have in operation? Anybody know? Well, Google it. I'm, I'm willing to bet they made this move because they already have plenty of stores um, and there's not an overabundance of community members emailing their, their county council members saying, hey, stores, so I need you to make some more here. But still, why limited? Like the uh, county supervisor was saying, if it's really about free market enterprise, then the more competition that we have, the better. And I would think that it is, it is a it is it is about the free market enterprise. I'm with you on that, uh, Nicholas. But California is not that. California is a limited license type of type of state where it's all controlled by local municipalities, which like to be prohibitionist in that space. It looks like uh, Sacramento has 40, 40 dispensaries operating right now. Forty permitted so storefronts. Four forty stores. Then they would have, you said they would open another sixty. Is that correct, Nicholas? No, there was, uh, is no number of out anymore, but there's 600,000 plus residents that would have been added to the nearly half a million that they have in Sacktown already. Sacktown, where they don't back down. Hold on, I, I, thought, I thought we were talking about unincorporated Sacramento, not necessarily Sacramento. Yeah, unincorporated Sacramento has 600,000 plus residents. Sacramento City has 500 plus. So the county supervisors is trying to expand cannabis dispensaries to where now they're able to operate in those unincorporated areas. So if you do live in any of those, you know, surrounding cities or whatever the case, you got to drive to Sacramento, you know, Oh, oh, I, I see. I see. So what you're saying is that they don't have any stores in unincorporated Sacramento currently. This this would have this bill would have made it so that they would have had them in their in their in close closer to them. Exactly. Got it. So this is kind of very similar to what we go on here with L.A., where Los Angeles has stores, right. but Los Angeles County does not. Right. Right. Um. Didn't Sacramento uh, go broke? Didn't they uh, go file for bankruptcy a couple years ago? Am I wrong in that? I mean, that would that, that, 
surprised me. I actually no, no. Really you're thinking of, you're thinking of Stockton. Ah, yeah, you're right. You're one hundred percent right, Eric. Oh, I did get the I did get the numbers though, Rico. When we talked about this last time, the percentage of breakdown of uh, Democratic cities to Republican run cities that uh, <laughs> cities in California, and that number is seventy six percent run Democrat to twenty four percent Republican. Okay, I have a quick question um, because I love Rico Lamine for following the money. Um, where would the taxes go if mm. the, they did allow it? Why would county officials be against more taxes coming into their area? I don't understand. I think that's a question we need to be asking the officials. Mm. Well, well, I think because they don't already allow it, um, it's not a question of money. It's a question of optics for these board of supervisors members because they want to sit in their prohibitionist way. Exactly right, Jason. Um, so, Gretchen, there's still a, a vast majority of our state. I think it's like 60% that has no access to cannabis. So Correct. it's done by the jurisdiction so it's pure prohibitionism there's of course they want the money but they don't want that money they want they want the money but they don't want the money coming from weed because they want to protect the children that's just nuts yes it is but we are at the top of the hour that was a great show everybody and if you missed it you can catch it anywhere you catch your podcast and you can catch it on twitter space uh on twitter uh right after the show usually about 10 minutes we post what is not a live replay, Lara DeCaro. <laughs> we post the replay of the show unedited for everybody else to consume it. Um, please subscribe and leave us a review where you get your podcast. There's a big thank you to all the correspondents that come through all the headlines each day and bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to my uh, co-host, Jason Beck, and for everybody else involved. And uh, just keep the comments coming, man. We, uh, we have them flowing freely. And uh, remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Jason, what you got for the people? Anything before we check out here? Guess what? You've been tuned in. Say it again? Sorry about that. I said, guess what? Your day is almost halfway done. Yes, it is. It's almost 420, Jason. It is almost 420. You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday, 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Bye. <laughs> so that's one. Thank you, bye, Rico.